Hello, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping family businesses thrive. My name is Ross Hayworth, and each week I will share insights and experiences to help you to navigate the complexities that can come from being in business with your family. You will also hear directly from family businesses who have been kind enough to share their own stories. As ever, I am grateful for the support of my good friends over at the Institute for Family Business. The IFB support family businesses in overcoming their challenges and help them build lasting legacies, something that we have a shared passion for. You can find out more about their work by heading over to ifb.org.uk. Right, let's get on with this week's show. Well, hello and welcome to uh, this episode. Today, I am joined by uh, Simone, Elizabeth, Alex and John. Uh, Now, rather than me introduce everybody, uh, we're going to go and have introductions from everyone um, individually. So, Simone, if you want to kick us off and give a little bit of information as to who you are and um, your role in, in Norway. Yes, my name is uh, Simone Maxter and I'm working as Managing Director for Family Business Norway, the Norwegian chapter of Family Business Network. Family Business Norway is younger than IFB. Uh, we turned five years this September, but we are, have an active um, network with 115 member companies and 20 fam- 25 annual events. The role in family family businesses in our two countries are quite similar. So I think it's interesting that we're having this joint discussion about crisis. Uh, When I read the IFB state of the nation and compared with Norwegian numbers, in the UK, 85 out of all businesses are family owned, while in Norway, the number is 17%. Uh, In both our countries, uh, the family businesses are slightly smaller than non-family businesses. Uh, And in both our countries, uh, the family businesses are in all industries across the country. So we can truly see that, say that um, the family businesses are the backbone of the economy in both of our countries. Uh, it all happened really fast uh, uh, the last couple of weeks when Norway to- totally locked down the 12th of, uh, of March. And when I hear with our, uh, our members how the situation have affected them, some report that there is a total drop of, uh, of income and, uh, due to cancellation and there's no new orders coming in. They have operational challenges due to restrictions and some of them cannot stay open. Uh, we have a weak currency in, uh, in Norway, which is also affecting us. Uh, since, uh, since the start of the year, uh, our currency has dec- uh, depreciated with more than 20%. So for all our members, depending on importing raw material, material this is a dramatic drop, obviously. Uh, and the cost of, of operating is, uh, is increasing for many. And there's a challenge with sourcing to get reliable income of uh, raw material to, to keep the production line. Uh, and some of our members are extremely busy with managing uh, the demand, like the grocery stores and also producers and distributors of paint and, and building materials. Um, Norwegian, when we stay at home, we use the extra time on projects in our house and in our gardens. And from our investment companies, I hear they are busy with getting an overview of their portfolio companies and supporting their operations. Shortage of cash would be a challenge for many businesses. So to manage 
the cash and focus forecast liquidity is the focus area. Thank you. Uh, and we're also joined by um, Elizabeth um, Bagger. Elizabeth, if you wanted to, um, again, it, uh, introduce yourself and, and perhaps share some views from the members from the um, UK family business. Thank you, Ross, and thank you, Simon. Uh, so we see ourselves as the voice and the heart of family business here in, in the UK. We're obviously a membership body part of FBN Global, just like um, FBN Norway, and we really bring people together to learn and share with and from each other. We also lobby on behalf of the sector, and both of those um, areas are incredibly busy for us right now. So um, a lot of businesses are obviously concerned about the scale of the problem. You know, it's very hard to plan um, for a business being shut down completely. Uh, most family businesses have contingency plans. They know how to push through but this is a crisis of um, proportions that probably many family businesses have not had to deal with um, in, in times of crisis where you know everything grinds to a halt, income is down to zero. This is, this is new territory, so we're really here to encourage people to come together to support each other, which I already see is, is happening. And, uh, and we're also here to translate the support available from government because there's a lot to try and make sense of at the moment and it isn't that easy and we're also continuing to lobby for for the middle part of the market that really needs a lot of support right now and, and there seems to be a bit of a gap there at the present time but I'm sure that will change in the coming weeks so so we really uh, we, we're busier than ever to be honest because it's so important that we stay together we go through this together we support each other through this uh, family business to family business and obviously inside family businesses uh, so so yeah so we're just facing unprecedented times and requires mm. unprecedented means and that's what we're constantly trying to work out how to how to provide and are you hearing similar stories from members in the UK to um, what Simone was saying about uh, those in, in Norway? The challenges being faced are, are pretty universal at the moment. And, and I think the they are. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all in the same boat mm. for the first time in a lifetime for most of us. You know, we're seeing that um, there might be a delayed response in certain economies in certain parts of the world as the virus makes its way across the uh. But apart from that, I think we're all we're all in the same boat here. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Alex, um, perhaps you could give our audience a brief introduction to um, who you are and, and what you're seeing uh, happening at the moment. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you, Russ. So it's Alex Scott. Uh, I'm a fourth generation business owner. Um, I'm also a co-founder of the IFB in the UK and a director of the FBN International. So um, deeply committed to the success of families uh, and obviously in the context of the crisis we're going through, uh, the, the more we can talk about this, the more we can share experiences, the more we can learn from each other, the better. And that is, that is a position that, that uh, the FBN and its various chapters are, are ideally positioned to help so um, from, a, from a family perspective, uh, we are, as I said, a fourth generation business. Uh, our, our main operating business um, is, is in the uh, financial sector. 
So it involves uh, being paid fees to look after people's money. Now, obviously, we're looking after people's money. Uh, they've been deeply impacted by the uh, falls in stock markets. That, in turn, obviously impacts uh, income and puts businesses under strain because uh, however much you plan, uh, however many however many crises you try and foresee, that the one that comes is always going to be different and always more challenging. So, so they are significant challenges. But to be absolutely clear not anything like as challenging as the businesses who rely on customers coming through their doors, customers to, to, to keep their orders coming because most of our income is contracted. Uh, so therefore, uh, the, whilst the income falls very far, it's, it's nothing like the day by day challenges of businesses who are, who, who have to deal with the complete disappearance of income and the, uh, and the impact on their businesses as a result. Thank you. Um, and John, we're going to be hearing um, more about an, an article that you've written that draws parallels from how um, family um, businesses and, f- and family investment companies have um, responded in previous crises, and, and in particular the Second World War. But before we get into the detail of that, perhaps an overview of um, your background and, and um, who, who you are, please. Yes, thanks, Ross. Uh, so my name is John Learmonth. Um, I founded a company called Camden Publishing in 1987 um, and then at the end of the 90s we organized the first conference in Europe for family offices at which um, Alex Scott was a speaker uh, so uh, he's, a, he's a veteran I know he's a veteran of this of this world um, from there we developed uh, a range of publications and and conference activity for family offices family businesses we launched a, a family business magazine uh, in association with FPN. Um, then I uh, sold the business in 2006, uh, since when I've been doing a number of different things, including uh, for the last uh, for almost nine years, I was an advisor to a Belgium family investment holding company called Verl Invest. And then for the last uh, almost three years, I suppose, I've been researching European family investment companies in association with the ESA Business School and working closely with my friend there, Professor Heinrich Lichtenstein. Great, thank you. Um, and for those um, listeners who may be hearing my voice for the first time, a little introduction to me as well. Um, I'm Russ Hayworth. I'm a family business consultant with the Family Business Consultancy. Um, I'm also the host of the Family Business Podcast, which is now 77 odd episodes old. Um, and is um, uh, being supported by the um, Institute for Family Business, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and so we are uh, sort of coming together to to look at what history can teach us around how families in business can react to crises. Um, as we mentioned, John has written an article which has um, quite a lot of detail on this. Um, we're going to give an introduction to, to the article and then discuss the various points um, amongst us to, to try and provide some really useful, practical um, guidance for families who are facing this unprecedented um, crisis. Um, I think Elizabeth mentioned we are all in this together and we are here to help as much as we possibly can. So um, we hope what we discussed today will be um, useful to you. Um, please reach out to any of us to, um, to ask any questions or get support. Um, after this uh, podcast but um, John do you want to sort of jump into your um, sort of pricey of the article and then we can um, sort of bounce around some ideas after that. 
Sure. Um, well, as I mentioned, uh, for the last uh, three years almost, I've been researching European family investment companies, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention our definition of that in, in, a, in, in a little bit. Uh, but what amazed me is looking at these, the history of these family businesses is their resilience um, and how many family businesses have managed to survive and, and indeed prosper despite facing uh, a, a series of serious economic, social and political crises. Um, that made me think about what today's family businesses struggling with coronavirus can learn from past experience. You know, what are the takeaways? What are the messages from the history of family business crisis management? Um, I mean, as, as someone who studied history at university, I know very well that history never repeats itself exactly. But I do know that the present can often be seen as imitating the past. So I'm a firm believer in the value of the lessons of history. Um, and clearly many politicians, certainly here in the UK, have said that the coronavirus is the most serious crisis we face since the Second World War. And clearly uh, the Second World War was the most serious crisis of the last century. Um, and as Elizabeth mentioned, I mean, the Second World War was truly a global crisis affecting virtually everyone on the planet. Um, of course, in, in some respects, the two crises are very different. Um, I mean, unlike the Second World War, coronavirus will not, I mean, we all, we all hope and pray at least, but not last for six years, leave over 50 million dead and cities destroyed and maps withdrawn. But equally, the Second World War, and again, um, I think Simone, Alex, and Elizabeth have all referenced this today, the Second World War did not close suddenly and completely hold swathes to the economy. You know, for example, during the Second World War, bars, restaurants, theatres, cinemas, for example, remained open as long as they could. Um, but they are both very similar in their profoundly disruptive and largely unexpected and, you know, global crises and leaving businesses and individuals very much buffeted by forces outside of their control. So I think it is very valid to look at the histories of family businesses which survived the Second World War and, and ask, you know, what messages, what takeaways can be extract, extracted to inform today's family businesses facing the coronavirus crisis, which is undoubtedly the biggest challenge so far this century. Um, and as, as Simone mentioned, um, uh, this came out of the uh, I was like, I mean, one of the messages from, from my study is that good, good often comes out of bad. And one of the good things that come out of the cancelled family office conference in Oslo was the fact that we have now cooperated to, uh, to do this piece. Because um, after the cancellation, I, I said to Simone, look, I, I, I've been thinking about this topic and perhaps we can do something extra for your members who are not coming to our conference. And then Simone said, well, let's uh, use it as a subject for this podcast. Because I was hoping, thinking, you know, what can we do to help family groups? Uh, if only in a very small way, what can we do to help them facing the, you know, the huge challenges at the moment? Um, so, and I just want to add that, uh, that the full article, which Russ mentioned, referenced on the subject, uh, which has fully referenced examples from named families, uh, will be freely available. So please contact me. Um, my own personal company called, is called Deanbridge International, but I'm sure that there'll be a link um, on the podcast or I can be contacted either Googling or my website or via any of the colleagues on, on this podcast. So the starting point for the research for this article is the database we built of European family investment companies and the first report on the subject we published earlier this year. 
Um, as a very brief background, uh, we define European family investment company, what we call a FIC, as I quote, a European EU plus EFTA family owned or controlled company actively investing directly in and managing a portfolio of businesses and assets. So we identified 358 FICs headquarters across 31 countries. They have an average total assets of 5.8 billion euros each and a median of 1.6 billion. Uh, from this total universe, I then drilled down into the database and found 175 FICs or just under 50% of our universe uh, whose heritage businesses were founded before 1939. And I should add that these, these companies came from all sides of the conflict. I should also add that we also found a, a small number of entrepreneurs who actually founded businesses during the war, which I just find quite extraordinary. So this, this was our cohort of family businesses who survived the Second World War. Um, I then looked to see what I could find about their history during this time, either from their websites or actual history books. Uh, for the latter, I personally have history books for 12 families in my own library, which admittedly is a very small number. Uh, and of course, one which would have been bigger if I'd been able to visit my normal reference source, the British Library, which is obviously closed at the moment. However, as I, as I wanted to write something which family groups could use as soon as possible, and also for this podcast headline, I decided not to spend more time trying to find additional material now. And I would certainly welcome contact from any family business listening to this, be willing to share with me their, their family history or any printed family history they have. Um, and, and also thanks again to Simone for including me in this, which, which gave me a big hurry up to finish the article. Uh, so it was good to have a deadline. Um, so from the sample, uh, I look for three things. You know, what each family group was doing immediately before the Second World War, what happened to them during the war, and how they recovered afterwards. Um, and even with our relatively small sample, uh, some common takeaways, some common messages for the, the, today's family businesses emerge very strongly. Um, and for the purposes of, of my article in this podcast, I've focused on what I feel are the seven most important. For example, one takeaway uh, is entrepreneurship. So the fix I looked at showed entrepreneurship in three different ways as they faced the crisis of the Second World War. And here I define entrepreneurship as we do in our report as I quote, the ability to grasp new opportunities and get involved in new businesses generally, not just startups. So it's a fairly broad term I use for entrepreneurship. So the first way they show entrepreneurship, they showed entrepreneurship is, is flexibility. So this ability to adapt quickly to new crisis environment. And I saw several examples of that in, in the companies I looked at. And obviously today, we are already seeing that, you know, we are seeing distillers making hand sanitizer, not gin, you know, uh, fashion houses making face masks on haute couture. So already seeing that. The second uh, takeaway I saw, I saw under entrepreneurship is, is the way families were planning now for tomorrow. So even in the crisis, they, they were thinking, what's going to happen after the crisis? So one example of this for my research was um, in 1944, the then chairman of the Kayser family business, Bertie Roderick, even in 1944, before the war has ended, um, he's ordering new ships. And this is a family that during the Second World War lost over half his ships in the conflict. So even before the end of the war, he's ordering new ships. And the Kayser family now control the listed Fit Caledonia, who I'm sure will be familiar to many of you. 
Um, at around the same time, 1944, he was also speaking publicly about the future potential of air transport, a business which, which the family subsequently got into in the 1950s. The third example of entrepreneurship is, is the ability to see opportunity in adversity. Um, and certainly the re research showed very clearly how family groups seized opportunities after the war, especially in the whole area of rebuilding. And even, you know, what which I found very heartening was family groups putting aside former differences to do business with, with the enemy. Um, I mean, I have one example of this in, in Denmark with, with the, uh, the entrepreneur who founded the, uh, the, who founded the Velux window business. In 1945, he was straight off to Germany to doing business with the Germans. And I think that that's fantastic. So obviously the current crisis will present opportunities to, to family groups. I mean, it's probably difficult for them to see that now, but there will be opportunities both now and, and after it's passed. Yeah. Um, thank you. And, and I think the, the, um, words that stood out for me um, there in terms of um, the opportunity that presents itself to family businesses now is uh, obviously there will be some that are in pure survival mode at the moment and trying to get from one day to the next and, and it's a constantly changing situation and we're not sort of diminishing that uh, in terms of the, what we're, we're discussing today but but planning now for what is going to be we hope a short-term disruption like you say the second world war was um, a long uh, period of disruption. Um, it progressed in, in terms of what the conflict meant for various different um, areas. This is something that has been a, a very swift, very um, hard kind of hit to um, family businesses. But planning now for what will be um, uh, opportunities when this passes is, is for me a very hopeful thing that um, you know, it's the light at the end of the tunnel for, for some businesses here. Alex, would you agree? Well, I think John's comment is interesting. Uh, and I think it does uh, make it very clear that advantage can come from crisis. But of course, everybody right now has to focus on the short term. Um, it was, it must have been only as the war evolved and people could begin to think about the end that they could begin to plan for the end right now everybody will be focusing on on survival right now nobody must be underestimating how severe the recession that's going to appear is going to be and we all know and we're seeing the degree to which to which it's in government's interest to protect and preserve the business sector and and engaging with that, understanding that, and I know that the the uh, the chapters uh, of FBN and IFB are doing a lot of work helping businesses understand that. So I, I I take that. I think opportunity will come from this, but I think also engaging with um, engaging and understanding and taking advantage from the various uh, um, government departments that are seeking to help businesses uh, will be the critical work that's going on right now. Um, I can come back later to talk about some of my own family history in the context. Actually, I went back to World War I because I couldn't find anything about World War II, but I think it was as a pretty significant crisis as well. And there's some themes that emerge from that, but perhaps we might come back to that. Thank you. Elizabeth, have you got anything that you wanted to add on that um, particular element of John's article? Thank you, and I'd agree with Alex that it's very much about the here and the now, how we respond 
in this present moment. And I think it's also worth bearing in mind that this is a human crisis. There's an emotional component to all of this. Uh, there's a lot of people living through um, fear of illness, fear of losing jobs, fear of how it's impacting family, fear of not being able to support elderly relatives and all sorts of things that we're all having, having to deal with. And, and at the heart of family business is, of course, the, the family unit and also the fact that families tend to see their businesses as extensions of the family. So I think uh, if we can focus on really supporting each other through this as human beings, then I think we'll be so much more prepared to pick things up again when we do get other side of this whenever that might be thank you john what, what uh, you mentioned there were seven points within your um mm. report and un- entrepreneurship being the uh, the first one what I mean, else I, is is there for for families to take away yeah i i, I mean i i i it's the first and it's not this i mean it's not necessarily in order of priority i mean mm. the one i list at number seven but perhaps should be the first is is perseverance um and and you know i quote winston churchill you know kept you know his constant catchphrase was keep buggering on and this sense that um and then i and i quote one of the family groups i i looked at michael jebson who who's sort of danish german family and and you know i quote him and he was saying in august 1945 he said the main thing is that we survive and uh and i think the message from from these families is is that there is always hope you know if you can survive there's hope um, and, you know, Michael Jebson, I mean, he, he and his cousin were trapped in Shanghai during the war and, and they, they got, you know, they, they put all the staff, including themselves on starvation wages. They, they, they had a stockpile of goods in their warehouse, where they gradually sold off to keep going. And they came at the end of the war and they thought, they thought it was all over, but it wasn't because they still had to face a civil war in, in China for the next five years. Um, but so you know the main thing is that we we do survive and we carry on. Um, mm. So this this idea of perseverance, I think, is is a very important one we take away from from the family groups. And going back to Alex's point, I mean he's absolutely right. I mean 1944, you know, the certainly from a UK perspective, you could see the war was 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 going to end fairly soon. Uh, so that gave them confidence to to order the new ships. I mean, you probably wouldn't have ordered the ships in 1940 or 41. Uh, Simone? Yeah, I would like to comment on this uh, perseverance. I definitely uh, identify with the, with this one. Uh, in addition of being manager director of Family Business Norway, I'm also from a family business myself. Uh, I'm a second generation uh, owner of a maritime uh, company. We are ship owners. And we've already been in a crisis for, for five years. Um, the majority of our, our vessels is supporting the, uh, the the oil industry. So when the the oil price dropped in 2014, um, that was starting off a crisis for our, in our sake. Uh, in 2015, uh, there was new, no new contracts, uh, cancellation of existing contracts, uh, and and quickly a portion of our fleet was in in, in layoff. And my sister, uh, who's the CEO of our company, she has a as a mantra that she's repeating all the time, that we are ship owners in, um, with infinite uh, perspective. Uh, and she's repeating it so many times, so I'm starting repeating it as well. And it's, uh, it's definitely uh, an ambition that the whole family, is uniting the whole family and we all stand behind it. And, and we are keeping on working, that we have to, this have to, 
the crisis has to, to stop or turn some point um, and we have to work our way through it. And we are ship owners and we will continue being ship, ship owners. And uh, um, yeah, and I actually think maybe persistent is a, is a generic characteristics with family businesses, not just in time of crisis. That we mm -hmm. do find that we are, when you look behind successful family businesses, you find owners who work very hard, they are very disciplined and uh, yeah, don't give up. Uh, yeah, I, I it's agree. A, it's, a, it's a critical differentiation <clears throat> of the family business sector. This is very personal. This is family capital invested in our businesses. We almost have no choice but to persevere. If you're an employee of a business and it's your career, you know, of course that's a tragedy and of course you want to keep your job, but you can move on. If you're an owner of a family business and you've got one or more generations of capital that's been invested and built up, nurtured, uh, you don't have a choice. So, so this, this perseverance that, 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 uh, that John and Simone have talked about is absolutely a fundamental characteristic of family businesses. That's not to say that they have uh, a right to survive and it's not to say that they have a critical advantage, but their nature is very different. The nature of family businesses, the fact that, that we, those of us are descendants, have been entrusted with this capital and it's our job to find our way through this. So there is a very strong determination amongst owners to, to, to keep going. And I think this, this perseverance shouldn't be underestimated. Yeah, I think that, that also links, sorry, Russ, uh, that also links in very much to the other takeaways, uh, which, you know, came out of my, my reading was the sort of intangible assets and the human assets. So, as Alex and Simone were saying, this, this strong sense of values, you know, one of the key values is the way uh, the family groups look after its its family and also the employees mm. and that uh, what is interesting is that you see that demonstrated during during, uh, during the war and before the war and I give examples in the article but then that also benefits benefited the families coming out of the crisis because they were able to restart their businesses very quickly because they had those networks of trusted people and they had you know the employees who kept the offices open no matter what um, and uh, one of the things I flag up here uh, under the intangible assets is uh, the whole idea of reputation um, and I think because the reputation is something that is you know family builds over many generations based on the values and a crisis is potentially very damaging to reputation. And under the entrepreneurship takeaway, I mean, there will be opportunity, but I think families and indeed any investor will need to be careful that it, it takes advantage of those opportunities in the right way, um, not to be seen as you know, rapacious asset strippers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I think that will enable those, those values, those combination of the intangible, intangible assets will, you know, enable many you know family groups to come through the crisis and also then restart again on you know the other side. Yeah, and I think the um, uh, on Alex's point around um, the the uh, 
you have to persevere because this is family um, businesses of family capital that can also place um, a huge amount more pressure on people's shoulders because of that, it, the, the inability to just go, okay, well, if that job didn't work out, I'll look for another one. But, but I think that again, highlights the importance of support networks that are in place to, to be able to talk about this stuff, because it can be very lonely if you're having to make the, um, big decisions around what to do in order to persevere and, and to, to get your family business through this. It can be a very, very lonely place. And so, again, I think I speak for everyone on the panel when I say if, if you are facing that and, and uh, finding it difficult to reach out to us because we are here to support during this time um, and to, to provide, if it's nothing more than an ear, to, to listen to um, what's what challenges you're facing, then... Um, it can often help just to to be able to vocalize that if you can't do that because it's it's quite tough to to do that if you're um, leading a business. So um, also what we've seen in terms of, of John, your point around um, reputation is that there are certain businesses that have behaved, um, I put it in air, air quotes, unacceptably according to um, people's views on just instantly sacking people and and effectively kicking them out of their accommodation and, and all sorts. And I think, again, that there is an awful lot of fear that is driving people's decision-making because it is such a scary time. And that's that can have an impact on the, the longer-term reputation for um, these businesses as well, can't it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I know very well from talking with, with, with uh, family investment companies, a lot of them have a lot of cash at the moment. And they will be investing that cash after after the crisis, and obviously they'll be buying assets presumably more cheaply than they would have bought them before the crisis. And I think that they will have to manage that process very carefully. Mm. Yeah, agreed. I think another point I'd add there, Russ, is is um, I'm sure one of the points, well, linked to perseverance, is the is the ability of families to think long term. Uh, it's one of our critical advantages. Yeah. Uh, in one of the very few advantages we have, in fact, and I think that uh, that the uh, the some of the rather unfortunate behaviours we've seen, um, which have damaged some businesses' reputation, the things have taken place over the last week, is is all about short term, and it's all about short term, just not knowing how to respond, and and, and you've got to be sympathetic. I'm sure lots of things that that happened weren't really thought through but the opportunity for family businesses i think is is to we all understand we are in this for for the long term therefore uh we do need to pause before making short-term decisions even if they look like they're the right thing to do in the short term and i think uh, that associated with that um, a very strong theme that comes through it's all about the way that, that we learn about the challenges and opportunities in running our businesses is having effective governance in place Governance itself is is a place where the owners can go or the managers can go to talk about what needs to be done. It's the internal safe place to have discussions about what might be done in the short term and the medium term, and it gives gives an opportunity for a, for a sounding board. It's it, it's absolutely critical that that owners find a place to think long, hard, and carefully with others to give them feedback. And I think that the the networks that the that the FBN and the IFB can provide is all part of that is, is feeding that governance process with information and perspectives. And it's a, it's a, it's of course um, we can see short term solutions that might be attractive right now, 
but again one of our key advantages is to is to think and plan for the long term and we should take advantage of that yeah um i uh, was made aware of an article um yesterday which um that there is some relevance to, to what i think you were just saying there and it was uh, in the new york times and it was called how to build an emergency fund during an emergency and and it seemed relevant because the the focus is on when when you're building an emergency fund you can only do that when the sun's shining and and all that kind of stuff but there's still things that families in business can be doing now to help with um this situation in in terms of um not necessarily looking and going oh we should have done this we should have done that but just taking this opportunity if we have been given um, time, not through our own choice or, or through our, our choice of circumstances, but if we have got time to try and address these things, um, it may be a, a good time to be able to sit down and have those chats with family. Um, obviously, you're assuming that, that you're not just um, trying to fight for survival, which I know many of the listeners will be um, trying to do. Yeah, it's just worth adding, it's quite hard to sit down and have a chat at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> not allowed to. <laughs> Thank goodness for video conferencing. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and I think that highlights another point as well is that the way the way in which we are all working i mean i I'm in the the southwest I think we've got three in london we've got two in norway on on the on the call it is technology does allow us to adapt the way in which we um, work together now, and what that will also mean is that opportunities uh, sort of going back to the entrepreneurship point um, opportunities will present itself out of these times because we will find new ways to do things. Um, human ingenuity will will create new services, new products, new um, elements to, to how we, we operate. And um, again, if we're trying to look for, for positives in what is a, a pretty bleak situation at the moment, there is always the fact that, technically speaking, there's never been a better time to be alive and the next best time is tomorrow because of the advances we're making as a human race anyway. Um, so I think that there's some lessons from that as well in, in what, um, John saying around the entrepreneurship side of things. Yeah, well, just in terms of communication, I mean, you read um, uh, you read the history again going back to the Jebson family. I mean, they, there's a very good history called the Three Mackles, which I I think is is pretty downloadable on their website. I mean, I mean, it took two weeks for the news uh, one of the Jebsons for the news of the death of his father to reach him. Um, and then, you know, they, they were in Shanghai during the Second War, and the only way they could find out what's happening in Hong Kong was was via their ship's captains. So ease today of the of the communications is is yeah. is completely different today yeah. as it was. Uh, but even you know, even in the depths of the war, I mean, the the Jebsons managed the tr generational transition. They signed a new partnership agreement, you know, in front of the Danish consul in, in Shanghai in 1944. Wow. And and they kept the business going. And and that goes back to Alex's point of this strong governance, but also the strong ethos. Uh, you know, Simone mentioned about working, you know, working hard, being, you know, don't give up working hard. I mean, again, that's something that comes through very clearly not just from this research I've done here, but from the interviews I did for, for our report. And that's that's the sort of value, you know, again, that comes back to values and, 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 and the underpinning. And obviously for the fact, for any of these family groups to survive the Second World War, they had to be, have been strong to begin with. Uh -huh. uh, that's evident because obviously if they hadn't been, they wouldn't survive and we wouldn't be talking about them now. And so what are, what are the other key points from the... Um, article, John, on, on in terms of takeaways from 
what history has shown us? Well, the other one was diversification. Uh, it's, I mean, from looking at the histories I have, it's clear that the families who were more diversified came through the the war in a, in a better shape because they were, you know, they they had more flexibility in what they how they could respond to the crisis. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's one of our central uh, uh, messages from our, our research is that we feel that the, the sort of thick model, the family investment company model, where you have a portfolio of businesses and assets, is, is a very uh, compelling model for sort of long-term family survival. Because right. you're not, clearly at the moment, if you're in certain sectors, uh, you know, your entire business is, is shut down, as, as, as we've discussed already. Mm-hmm. Other sectors, it's not the case. Uh, clearly, in the in the Second World War, if you were, I mean, I think everyone was was affected. But you know, if if you were more diverse, you had you had more opportunities to respond. I mean, if you were just in the steel or coal business, like the Vendels were, uh, you know, and the and the uh, you get invaded and all your factories get appropriated, that's it. I mean, that's mm. you know. But if you if you're more diverse, like uh, like the Jebsons or the Ackerman Van Haren, and then you had other investments, other interests around the world, then you're better able to respond to that. Simone, do you want to to add something on that point? Yes, I do would like to add something on diversification because it is very painful to be in a be in a crisis, but uh, you also learn a lot. And uh, one of the things that I've learned during the the past five years in the in the crisis that our uh, maritime company has struggled with is is the importance of having resources outside our core business. Um, because when we were in the situation that we, we couldn't uh, pay for uh, debt installments uh, and in the negotiation with the bank, we had to install new, new equity. Uh, and luckily we had resources outside the core business. So we still, we still are 100% owners of, uh, of our company. Uh, and so, that, so the, the outcome of that or, or the acknowledgement for our, for our family is that how important it is with us to be diversified and have resources outside our, com- uh, our core business and to be responsible owners for our 500 employees going forward, we need to have to have resources outside to, to support uh, our core business. Mm. It's, it's a uh, probability, I think, that as a family goes through generations that the capacity or indeed the propensity to diversify will increase the more generations they've been around simply because businesses go through cycle if they've done one in in one they may be entrepreneurial they may be entrepreneurial that they may put uh, other assets in other places and so it's, so it's a kind of luxury i think that that it's a necessity if a family is to endure through multiple generations but it's a kind of luxury and maybe a surprise if businesses in their first generation have managed to achieve that one of the things that I was doing uh, briefly last night in in uh, anticipation of this call is I pulled our own family history off the off the bookshelves. Um, the one I got hold of actually finishes in 1939, which isn't terribly helpful for this conversation. Uh, but but in fact, uh, it did go into in some detail the experiences of the First World War. Business was only. Uh, 10 years old. The founder had just died. Two brothers in their 30s were faced with the challenges of managing the business. Uh, and they weren't diversified. They had one business. Uh, they had one trade. They, it was a young business. They'd concentrated on employing young men because the men made up most of the workforce then. 
there was there was not it wasn't a call up until the middle of the first world war but certainly many young men were volunteering at that stage they had to change the way they undertook business they were very lucky i know one of the points that comes through in john's uh, uh survey is that luck plays a big part neither of the two brothers were eligible for military service one was too old one had a physical disability <clears throat> so that they had the luck they had to change the way they did business uh in that obviously they changed the shape of the workforce many more women came into the workforce at that stage and, but the other thing they did and it and it's flowing through right to what's happening now is they had to engage with government they had to engage with government for all the assistance that they could have in, in terms of keeping their business going and for seeking to get some kind of exemption for their trade when conscription came. And the final point that I make that I that I discovered last night, and I don't know how widespread this was in terms of John's point about reputation, in terms of continuing to engage with workforce, was I saw that the the brothers uh, compensated their employees who had gone to fight by topping up their wages so they got their military wage and they increased their military wage to keep them at the level they had been before they went away to war and the uh and the second thing they did was to pay significant bonuses to those employees who were still there as well so they had to they had to increase the cost of running their business um so i just thought it was an interesting anecdote it, it is is that that these these elements flow through that the the um, but equally the luxury of diversification just isn't there for everybody but uh -huh. the capacity to be entrepreneurial the capacity to be flexible uh, and again come back to this point about perseverance and resilience absolutely critical in this period yeah it's, it's also worth saying that that you know what what, what also happens is uh, as management becomes more challenging, as management becomes more spread because people are either sick or they're unavailable, or in this case, they've, been, they've gone off to, to, uh, to fight, a lot more falls onto the shoulders of the owners. However, right. however strong a business team they've built around them, they come back to their decisions, their responsibilities, their capital, which increases this element of, of isolation and, and feeling lonely, which takes us back to why governance is critical because you need somewhere to go and share your thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, also e echoing the article in the New York Times about building an emergency fund during an emergency, if, if businesses are listening to that and thinking, okay, well, we're not diversified, and, and therefore that, that point doesn't necessarily help us through this immediate crisis, it's again a potential opportunity coming out the other side of it to go, okay, how can we diversify? How can we position ourselves so that if anything like this happens again which obviously hopefully it won't but but there's no um, um uh, guarantee it won't then it, it is an opportunity again to take the the family values to look at the entrepreneurship and the flexibility and kind of pull this all together to go okay how can we better position the the family business um there's a a phrase i like which is uh, moving from a family business to a business family and I think that that sort of echoes the point around diversification is moving it away from um, that. And perhaps now's the time for, for some of the next generation and the rising generation within family businesses to start thinking, okay, how can I diversify and, and use the the capital that's been built, built within the family to go, okay, what, what sectors and areas can I diversify into myself to, to spread the risk for future um, generations?
yeah, I mean, that's that's the experience of, of um, the families we looked at. To the final takeaway, I mean, get, getting organised is, is one of our takeaways, and Alex has already mentioned that, this importance of governance and having clear roles for the family and the family in business. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, that's a sine qua non of, of family business anyway, but I mean, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of magnified in times of crisis. Yeah. And, and the, the final point is, which, which again picks up Alex's point about a lot more falling into the shoulders of the owners during times of crisis, is the point of leadership. And we discussed this in our report and also in luck. I mean, you, you, when you interview families and look at their history, the ones that prosper and survive seem to have had a succession of lead, very good, strong leaders. And you think, oh, that's lucky. Then you think, well, perhaps it's not lucky. It's, this, again, comes out of the culture of the family, the sort of you know, hardworking, uh, committed culture, which, which a, a family business needs to survive. But, uh, and I, in, in, our, in, the, in the article, I give a couple of examples of, of uh, actually from Germany, a couple of examples of post-war leadership. Uh, you know, Reinhard Mern rebuilding Bertelsmann after, after the war, uh, actually getting down there and rolling his sleeves up and, and working alongside his people to rebuild his factory. And then, then the Schuller family, again, Alexander Schuller returning from. It's interesting, both Alexander Schuller and Reinhard Mohn were, were uh, POWs during the war in, in American POW camps. And again, you say that maybe that's lucky because the fact they were captured meant they survived the war. Um, but again, Alexander Schuller came back from the war with nothing and then had to rebuild his business. Um, and you think, you know, that, you know, you think families will need needs that sort of leadership now and now mm. and after after this current crisis yeah um elizabeth did you want to um, add anything on what we've discussed so far yeah i just wanted to pick up on a couple of points and, and one of them being government support there is um, all over the world obviously but talking mainly in the uk uh, support being made available to businesses and and i know i, I mentioned this earlier but it can be difficult to decipher what's available. And it might mean that you'll, you make decisions without being fully aware of what you could have taken advantage of. So I just really like to encourage people to, if they are in doubt, do get in touch with us. We're really happy to, to help people navigate the support available at the moment. And that speaks to another point about sort of leadership and, and ownership. And I think it's also really critical that we don't make rash decisions in this. And I was talking to a young next generation member of a, a family business, not in the UK, and he'd had to lead his family through a crisis. And he said that, you know, time is, is something you think you don't have in a crisis, but if you, if you think you have an hour, you probably have a day. If you think you have a day, you probably have 48 hours. So take that time to, to just step back and, and look at the decisions you're about to make and, you know, involve the family, involve your owners. Uh, now is the time to really reach out and whether you have governance structures or, or not, now is the time to communicate. You may have owners who'd be able to contribute in ways they haven't before. Talk to the, the people in your business or talk to other families. This crisis has leveled the playing field. Everybody is facing it. And, and now is really a time where people probably have the resources to help each other um, in, a, in a way we didn't before. So it's mm. really a, an encouragement not to, not to think that you have to go it alone and not to think there isn't support out there. Absolutely. There is, more so than ever before, perhaps. 
Uh, absolutely. And I think just, just to reiterate the, the point around the um, technological ability that we have now is that we can jump on a face-to-face call with people at very short notice. Um, you can have um, meetings with multiple people in the same um, room effectively um, through technology. Um, and that's something that we can utilize to our advantage to allow people to, to get the support that they need um, as well. Um, there is obviously still phone calls and things like that, but um, the face-to-face element of it that we've now lost through being um, sort of locked down, we can replicate to an extent using technology. And I think it's, uh, we, we can use that to our advantage. Uh, I'm just conscious of our time. And so I wondered whether we could um, sort of go around the table as it were um, with some sort of concluding thoughts um, and ways for, for people to get in touch um, if they need to. Um, as ever, with anything that we do on the podcast, there will be links to everybody within the show notes. Um, and so you just head over to, um, for the UK side, it's fanbizpodcast.com. Uh, um, the episodes will be there and they'll also be on the IFB uh, website in the UK. Um, but Simone, do you want to um, sort of give us some concluding thoughts and how people can get in touch with you. Uh, yeah. Um, that is also through our website, familybusinessnorway.no. Um, to have any concluding uh, thoughts yeah, seems like a huge task because there's so much insecurity in, in front of us and it's impossible to know what the next couple of weeks and months uh, will bring. Uh, I think the last takeaway about leadership uh, is an important one. We see there's so many good role models from family businesses with good good leaders and also seeing the positive effect with family leaders, owners leading the, the business, both towards the customers, suppliers, employees, of course, uh, the banks. Uh, I manage that my sister is the CEO of, of our company and I do see how the effect on the employees that she works so hard and and that many goes the extra mile together with her uh, doing their job. Fantastic, thank you. Um, Elizabeth? Thank you. Um, I think my, my concluding thoughts are probably um, very similar to what I said before. Together we can, we can get through whatever it is that we need to get through. We don't quite know what it is, but if we, if we continue to talk to each other and support each other, I think there are um, real opportunities of, of collaboration and co-creation at this moment in time, be that in the family, with the business, to business. And you can find out all about what we're doing to support family businesses on ifb.org.uk. Thank you. Um, Alex? Wow. Well, none of us know the answer. This is unprecedented. This is this is a frightening time on a personal scale, on a on a in terms of our loved ones, in terms of the businesses and what we own. I think what we've been exploring uh, here is that the lessons from history and probably our own experiences demonstrate to us that some of the core characteristics of our businesses being family owned mean that that lying within the business, within the construct of ownership we do have the necessary characteristics to enable us to get through these crises. So take courage, I, I would say from that. The, the history shows us that, that family business can endure and that, that I, I also wholly endorse um, 
my friends uh, on this podcast uh, suggestion that we can learn from each other and support each other. But I think that this that this fundamental thing about family businesses being being resilient, being agile, being committed, and persevering that's in our nature that's that's how we operate so 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 no one's underestimating how frightening this is how difficult this is but 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 take courage from our 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 general embedded characteristic yeah wholeheartedly agree with that Uh, and john a a final word from you well keep buggering on as Winston Churchill said, uh, keep buggering on. And I, I you know, I, I've never run a family business, but I run my own business. And uh, we went through a very dark time in my business where um, uh, my my house was signed up to the bank. We owed loads of money to the tax man, the Batman. We had to fire the chief executive. We had an incompetent finance director. Um, and, um, you know, I thought I was going to lose everything. Um, but we reached out, we brought in a turnaround expert, we brought in other friends, we put our hands in our pockets, we got stuck in. And I, and I, I mean, Simone's point about her sister is, 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 is that's, you know, you lead by example, that's leadership. And, you know, in my own experience, you know, there were days when you thought, when is this going to end? When is this going to end? When is this darkness going to lift? And you just keep buggering on and it does. And we got through it. It's, uh, there's no great comfort to people today struggling with all the issues we've discussed, but you've got to remember that. And as Alex said, you know, there, there are these fundamental aspects of family businesses which give us this, their ability to be resilient mm. and to keep buggering on. KBO. KBO, there we go. KBO. Fantastic. Well, thank you all very much for um, your time uh, this morning. We will be, as I say, linking everything up in the show notes. Um, but just finally to echo everyone's views is um, if we can help, please do get in touch. Um, we'd be uh, happy to, to do so. So uh, thank you all. And um, I'm sure I'll be speaking to you again soon. I hope you found this episode useful. If you have, then why not share it with your family and see what they think? I work with families just like yours to help them to better understand the complexities that can come with being a family in business. So whether you're just starting out or heading into the umpteenth generation, if you feel that I could help, check out fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ and get in touch. Until next time, take care.